Welcome to Elevate, the podcast where we dissect exceptional achievers who are consistently raising the bar personally and professionally to produce extraordinary results in investment real estate and ultimately in their lives. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am absolutely blessed and grateful to be here with one of my very best friends in the entire planet. Bless up. Rob Giltner. Rob, my friend, how are you? Doing very good. Very excited. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Long time, first time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. One of the, uh, I actually thought about this. We should have done the layup lines before mm-hmm. we got started here. So just to give Elevate Nation a little bit of an insight into Rob and I's past in college, whenever we would uh, we'd go to a party or we'd go to a friend's house, you know, we'd introduce each other as Rob Giltner yeah. standing at a staggering, what are you, 6'2"? Six, 6'7". Six, okay, 6'7". Yeah, it's 232 pounds mm-hmm. of pure muscle and steel. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, just a little bit of insight here. We have a lot of fun, but um, this is going to be a little bit of a special edition of the podcast today because we're going to do a little bit of a longer form than we normally do, and we're going to try to go deep today. The reason why we're doing that is because Rob and I have amazing conversations. We have conversations that need to be recorded 90% of the time. And they take turns and, you know, kind of peaks and valleys <laughs> through right. some through some different uh, discussions here. So we're going to talk a lot about psychology. We're going to talk a lot about mindfulness. We're going to talk a lot about relationships. We're also going to have a lot of fun. So I hope that Elevate Nation enjoys this. And I hope you're up to uh, to do that. Very much, man. Yeah. All right, Let's man. Get it going. So Elevate Nation, welcome back. Are you ready to take it to another level? Because I know that I am. I want to welcome you back to the show where our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And, you know, this is where you learn the mindset, the habits, the routines, the systems, the tools, the strategies, and so much more from those who are elevating to a life without limits so you can do the same yourself. And I also want to remind you that this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. And a little bit of housekeeping, of course, if you're appreciating what we're doing, we would certainly appreciate if you subscribe to the show, if you gave us a rating, a review, certainly helps. Our goal is to reach millions and millions of people with this message because we believe that you don't just have to tolerate your life. You don't just have to plug it in. You don't have to dread you know, Monday. You don't have to have the Sunday scaries and uh, mm-hmm. think that anything's possible. And so, you know, with that said, I want to introduce you to Rob Giltner, as I mentioned here. So Rob was born and raised here in Louisville, Kentucky, and early in life, he valued all types of relationships and the well-being of people. That value influenced him to pursue a master's degree in the psychotherapy field with an influence in systematic therapy. After graduating from Louisville Seminary, he worked a year in substance abuse facility working with their intensive outpatient program before moving to private practice. So in 2019, he moved to moved practices to the Louisville Mindfulness Center, where he currently practices. And in his role as a therapist, educator, and coach, or coach, so he can be any of the three, he uses these roles to create change, healing, or growth. Using evidence-based practices, clients and he work in a strategic way that incorporates the items, the client's strengths, incorporates the client's strengths with along with therapeutic interventions. This is a, this is a, uh, this is a mouthful here. So he works with individuals and couples who are experiencing, but not limited to addiction, trauma, emotional, and mental wounds, relation, 
relational issues, life transitions, closeness and intimacy problems, grief and loss, so on and so forth. I mean, things that we all deal with in life, yeah. right? And so the reason why Rob is on the show, number one, is because of my boy. <laughs> number two is because we all deal with this stuff. We all deal with our own internal, you know, kind of distress, our mm-hmm. own internal dialogue, as well as like to elevate to a life without limits, you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. And you have to do it with other people. You have to incorporate other people. Why one of the questions that I ask so many people is how do you elevate, you know, others around you? Mm-hmm. It's about those relationships. And so I really want to dive deep into this today with you and have some fun. Yeah. And uh, with that said, I'd love to know if you could, you know, tell Elevate Nation more about Rob, the man behind the bio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I know that's a mouthful. Has a hard time combining or you know, com- putting all that into a, a brief little bio. But I guess what I want Elevate Nation to know and the type of work that I do is I see individuals, families, and couples and adolescents, like I said on the bio, to help them be the best version of themselves. And sometimes that's through change. Sometimes that's through healing because there's those emotional wounds. Um, and a non-pathologizing. So we're not just saying this is what you have because we do diagnose, but more of a, of a medical model. So just like if someone would go to a doctor for a broken hand or an illness, if it's a mental illness or you know emotional illness, um, we treat that. And so that's the, the real focus of medical model of, you know, how can I help and contribute any way to some, someone's life? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's a real motivator. Um, and without getting in too, too much of clinical terms, it's basically what I do or try to do. So tell me a little bit more about like, why did that sort of career path, professional path intrigue you? Mm-hmm. And what sort of, you know, what sort of takeaways do you have by contributing in that way? Mm-hmm. Well, so relationships, which, you know, we've talked about off air a little bit, uh, is, is extremely important to me. I remember as a kid valuing that very much so, uh, valuing the relationship that I had with my parents, my friends and family. Um, and then when the relationships weren't as great, remembering, gosh, how that, that felt and not avoiding that, that pain, if it was pain. Uh, but sitting with it and say, gosh, okay, I value this. That's, you know, kind of not to toot my own horn. I thought I was a little mindful early on. Um, but then growing and kind of meeting people like you at school. I do have, my favorite story about Tyler, you, when, when we first met is uh, my first vision of Tyler is standing on a chair or table in a room and just commanding the room. And, and I was like, that's the type of guy I want to be friends with. And here, awesome. here, here we are, here we are today. And so those really, I, I really value and, and it's so important to me. Um, and now I get super psyched because what neuroscience is showing is that that value actually is food for the mind. It grows so many different things, fires neurons, grows these things called myelin and, uh, it's just awesome. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the importance I place on relationships and why. That's amazing. And I definitely, I want to go into the neuroscience mm-hmm. there if possible. I mean, maybe we're, maybe we go off track a little bit. Yeah, there. we'll probably go around. But um, I want to know more about that. But then you talked about how you valued relationships. Mm-hmm. You, you noticed so early how you valued relationships mindfully. Mm-hmm. So can you describe like what it means to value a relationship mindfully versus, you know, maybe after the fact, yeah, I recognize that that person was important to me. Mm-hmm. Because like, honestly, you were the person who showed me mindfulness mm-hmm. years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. it was probably a, a decade ago. And it, it sounds weird. It's a it's a buzzword nowadays. Mm-hmm. But 
does that question make sense? I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It and so, you know, mindfulness and relationships, you know, have the same, they incorporate each other very well. And you know, part of mindfulness is incorporating it within relationships. Um, but at, at a y younger age, and I don't know why, or maybe it's because it gave me energy, like relationships I have with you and others, it does now. So it gives me energy. I kind of thrive off it. Um, and I can't really remember if that was the case, you know, growing up, but for whatever reason that it, I just cherished it. And I remember I like changed schools. My parents separated and <clears throat> there was this really close friend I had from grades first through fifth grade. And then I go to sixth, seventh, and eighth, and I'm in chain schools. I'm a different city. And I remember calling him and say, hey, it's Rob. I miss you. I've been thinking about you. And the guy's like, who? You know, even though we spend each other at each other's <laughs> house. And that showed me that, gosh, maybe everybody doesn't hold true to these relationships uh, kind of like I do. And the funny thing is that relationships aren't just within humans and within friends or family or romantically that we have to have and we do have strong relationships with higher power or nature and music with our career. Um, it kind of goes on and on. And a lot of people aren't mindful to be aware of that. And so if you're not mindful of the different types of relationships you have, then you're kind of oblivious and very vulnerable to negative behaviors and patterns. So for example, if I value, nature and let's say i value being around water like we were at the lake you know this past summer and mm -hmm. that was an awesome experience not you know i felt energized afterward on top of vertigo <laughs> that yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, but if, if i'm not aware wait, you're still not shaking like, <laughs> yeah, okay wait shaking, all right, so right one now. year later i might be all right so yeah so <laughs> so if i wasn't aware that i have this strong relationship with water and i never go around it i'm going to experience things that I would experience if I, if your and I's relationship starts to get rocky, I'll miss you. And I won't know why maybe then I'm sad. And then a, you know, a secondary emotion maybe comes I'm I'm depressed or I'm angry and I don't know why. And a lot of people come to me in session to say, God, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. And we look back and maybe it is something from one of those relationships. And so that's where kind of mindfulness come in. And I know I'm giving you a mouthful, but the big mindfulness piece is, a thing called mind mapping, which is basically emotional intelligence. So being mindful within a relationship is me trying to understand you and making a map of your mind. So what are you experiencing right now? What are you possibly thinking and feeling? And based off data you give me, then I just kind of keep making a trail, keep mapping a map. And that is empathy, basically. And if we don't do that, if we're not mindful of our partner or of our friend or whoever relationship we are, then it gets it gets rocky and the relationship isn't as stable as we want it to be and we know what happens when relationships aren't stable yeah i mean there's uh there's a lot there and mind mapping to me is so fascinating mm -hmm. because in my opinion and you can tell me if i'm wrong mm -hmm. from your you know much more advanced perspective of this thought is it's really all about perspective right yeah, it's yeah. about hey what's going on in the other person's mind mm -hmm. i was talking to uh you know a colleague of mine actually today about just writing emails mm -hmm. as simple as it is yeah. it's like you know you've got to think about well what is this person's perspective mm -hmm. how many other emails are they getting today mm -hmm. how many other texts are they getting today whatever it may be calls you know are they bombarded by other messages do they fully right. understand our perspective mm -hmm. or you know are we assuming that they do mm -hmm. And I just find it fascinating. I do think it makes a lot of sense for people to kind of slow down and say, hey, 
you know what, what's going on in this person's world? Mm -hmm. And that's, I'm talking about it from more of a business perspective, yeah. but I think business is all about personal relationships. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, is that what you're saying? It's more like kind of perspective on others? Very much. Every person that you interact with has a subject reality that they are experiencing. And we can get caught in maybe kind of coming off too brash or harsh, or maybe something we do that it's not intentional triggers somebody and they get defensive or they shut down or stonewall or something like that all comes from, we're just having two different realities from the same, the same stimuli, like an email, there's two different subject realities and mind mapping helps you understand or attempt to, and then communicate your understanding of that person's reality. Yeah. That's a form of mind mapping. So can you talk to us a little bit? So like in a, in a communication, so like you and I were sitting here right in front of each other, what's a practical way that someone can mind map? Is it to ask better questions? Mm -hmm. Is it to, to read body language? Yeah. Is it to, you know, see how far, the, you know, how fast their breath is going? Like, mm -hmm. what, what would you say? Yeah. Well, the first thing you people, whether it's romantically or it's business or it's just friendship, if there's a problem or just a form of communication, people look for a solution way too quick. And so what you want is to get more information. And so there's questions you want to ask and you want to search and I'll play like reporter to the individual. And if the individual is not there, and so if you're doing it over email and you can't ask questions back, back and forth, you know, language and how you, you know, John Gottman, I'm a big fan of, talks about a gentle startup. You know, how do you do a gentle startup that is very mindful of the place where you might believe the other perspective is yeah. through the receiver of your message? So talk, so talk to me more about like what you've learned from John Gottman. Because mm -hmm. I read a book um, by him recently that was The Seven Principles of Making Marriage mm -hmm. Work. Because I'm getting married in like four months and yeah. you, just, you just got married. Mm -hmm. So you're you're telling me all the uh, all the wisdom there, but but I learned a lot about like you know you mentioned stonewalling mm -hmm. earlier and like the harsh startup and those kind of mm -hmm. things. Like, can you go into depth on that? Because it seems like that's a little bit of a cornerstone of really how to develop the right relationships, how to develop strong, yeah. lasting relationships, mm -hmm. which real estate is all about, but then also life is all about. Yeah, very know? much. Yeah, that's why I love John Gottman's work and his wife Julie. Yeah. Uh, because it can be used, it's very versatile, whether it's romantically or yeah. career-wise. And gosh, I, even with yourself, your relationship with yourself, it's, it's super important. Yeah. Uh, but just quick backstory, John Gottman was actually a scientist who studied relationships, called this thing the Love Lab. And I think it got, was like 20 years plus. And he studied these couples, and he's the first one to do it. You know, a lot of couples therapy and things like that, it was all based on theory and John Gottman made it into a science, which I, I, I really appreciate. Yeah. But he, yeah, he kind of has all this data as a scientist, but there's four things that he can actually predict in the high nineties that it's in of a relationship, whether romantic or, or things like that. But if these behaviors continue, it's, it's the end. He calls it the four horsemen. Uh, and that is contempt, criticism, stonewalling, and defensiveness. And so those type type of four things, if they exist and you don't offer antidotes to them, they'll they'll continue and the relationship will, will fail. Uh, the big things that I love about John Gottman that goes into deeper, <clears throat> a little more depth, I mean, is that there's these ideas that behind any sort of conflict, and conflict can range from a high argument to just asking what are we eating for dinner today? And I don't know, do you know, you know, we all get in that. Uh, yeah. But, 
behind each argument, there's these things called dreams within conflict. And how I relate them to is that each person has a garden and in that garden are seeds. And the seeds are dreams, which dreams can be hopes, fears, wants, needs, emotional wounds, uh, unrecognized behavior. Like a dream could be, I need a sense of freedom, or maybe it's events related to inclusion or exclusion. Like I felt like my boss didn't hear me, or I felt like I didn't have any power in the conversation, or I didn't have any influence. Um, all those can be little seeds. And what we do is we tend to communicate about a presenting problem. So let's say one seed grows a root, and we try to fix that root, and we cut it off, we pull the root out, but the seed's still there. And so are the, all these other ones, and they work together to mess up this garden. And so Gottman talks about is, let's not solve the problem at hand, but let's find all this other information, these seeds, and uncover them. And once you take the seed out of the garden, those seeds don't grow weeds and it's not unhealthy. And maybe then it's replaced with fruit and vegetables and all the great stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. It, well, and one of the things that it reminds me of, well, two things. Number one, you were talking about the, uh, the, the little argument. I had to go back to this. You were talking about the little argument. What are we going to have for dinner tonight? What, you know, I don't know. What do you think? And I just want to make a mention real quick. Don't ever mess with Rob Giltner's dinner because he loves, <laughs> yeah. he loves, he loves to eat. And, oh yeah. Uh, you definitely share that. big eater. Yeah. He's a big yeah. eater. So don't give me the White don't, House. Don't let this, uh, you know, this intellectual core, uh, mm -hmm. really kind of, you know, mask the fact that this mm -hmm. guy can throw down on some food. Yeah. All right. So that's number one, but number two, that's actually, it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And then uh, thank All you right, for tuning in today. See you next time. No, the biggest, the biggest thing, um, actually, the fact that you said is really about the little things, mm -hmm. right? That's one of the things that stood out to me is like to develop a strong relationship with someone over time. Mm -hmm. It is about the little things. Yeah. So it's about turning to cool. yeah. your partner, to your, you know, whoever this is that you're building a relationship mm -hmm. with, you know, John Gottman talks about your primary relationship mostly, right. but it applies otherwise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I feel like I learned was, you know, it's about the little things. It's about, hey, what's going on in your day today? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you, what challenges are you dealing with? And then being aware of those things mm -hmm. and like having that map of yeah. the other person's kind of life outside mm -hmm. of just your relationship. Yeah. Sharing those experiences. I mean, what else would you say on that thought? I mean, is there anything else in terms of just building those kind of small, you know, little details and sort of building that relationship that right. can stand the test of time and yeah, challenges. Very much so. And he gives a concept called an emotional bank account where you oh, make yeah. deposits and withdrawals. And that bank account I use, whether it's relationship with an individual. So like Tyler, you have a relationship with Tyler and I have a relationship with myself. Uh, and I'll, again, you know, I keep saying this over and over, but could be used in any type of relationship. But that emotional bank account where you make deposits and withdrawals. And he talks about through his research, he's has, there's a ratio of five deposits to one withdrawal. And those little moments where you can either turn toward what you just talked about or turn away can be deposits. And those add up over time. And they do, they add up in forms of it builds trust. You know, he talks about building trust isn't by telling the truth over and over again. It's in those little moments. He calls them sliding door moments off of this really old movie. But <clears throat> We have the ability to turn toward your partner, your family member, your friend, or turn away. And like, you want an example? Yeah. You want to, so come he, on, man. Are you serious? Yeah, Let's you do this. He, he gives a great example, and I'm going to steal it from him is that if my wife is in the, let's say, the bathroom and the door's open, I could see her, and she has a tear in her eye. 
but let's say I'm reading a book and I'm really into it. It's the last chapter. It's, you know, great information. I have an opportunity right there to turn toward her. And that is, Hey, I'm going to mind map. Hey, what's going on? I know you had a hard day today. You know, are, are, are you okay? What are you feeling? What are you going through? Or I can act like I didn't see it and go read the book. And by turning toward what that does is leave a little deposit to her that says, okay, Rob's going to be there for me. Mm-hmm. He's going to understand me. He's not going to have to ask him. I'm not going to have to ask him. Yeah. And that, so that builds trust. He's going to yeah. have my back. That those little moments are key. And another Gottman tool, he calls the masters of relationships do that versus the disasters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, one of the reasons why I'm so fascinated by this is obviously I'm getting married soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of people, you know, they have they they have this desire for the perfect relationship or whatever it may be, and it seems like that's number one. That's not a realistic expectation. It's mm-hmm. never going to be perfect. But then also to create a life where you know anything is possible, you know, I think it's a uh, you know perhaps you know something that you want to invest so much time yeah. and, and energy into. Mm-hmm. Not only just because love is one of the greatest experiences of life maybe mm-hmm. it is the greatest maybe. experience of life mm-hmm. um, but you know what else is everything worth if you're not going to have that so yeah and also I think you can do so much more when you have uh, a partner who supports you very so, much so yeah. yeah are you someone who is looking to seriously elevate your life this year I mean now this year 2020 because I want to let you know that I am currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. And I want to invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. I have to tell you, this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are defiantly committed, those who are decisive, those who are coachable, those who are resourceful. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to sacrifice time, energy, and invest resources into themselves to get to where they want to be, to live life at the highest level and to elevate to a life without limits, exactly what we talked about on this show. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. I love it. So I want to talk, um, there's so many different things I want to cover today, but one of the things that you mentioned was emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. I taught, I read a book called Emotional Intelligence Mm 2.0, you know, a couple year or so ago, which many of our listeners may have read. Um, but I, I love to like, kind of just dive into that a little bit. Like what, I guess overall, like how do you, how would you define emotional intelligence? So, you know, and I, I use the mind mapping example and that's Daniel Siegel, who, you know, yeah. oh, I, yeah. I, I, I really love. And the reason I like that is because he, it's ne- backed by neuroscience. Like yes. They studied the brain because a lot of, and it could be wrong or right, because it turns out a lot of theorists who do write books, turns out they're right, because it is backed by neuroscience and maybe some not. Uh, but when it's just up to theory, it leaves the, the risk of a, the author having transference or counter-transference. So some information not all be, might not all be accurate. So that's why I like the, the neuroscience stuff. Um, but <clears throat> the mindset is an ability to shape and see your mind and others. And that is emotional intelligence. Me to see your mind, not your brain. You know, the brain and mind are very different. The, the mind is an embodied and relational process that regulates the flow of energy. And energy, and you, you're a big into this, and energy not like, uh, you know, I get up and 
you know, I eat something and it turns to energy. That's more of the you know, brain helps function that energy, like actual electrical energy. Like yeah. we together, I think we get together and we feed off our energy. Oh yeah. The mind is the one that regulates that. And you think of a car that, okay, I have to have the capacity to see the, what I'm driving. So that's seeing the mind. I have the capacity to see that. And then to shape it, that's turning the wheel. So that's what we want to have the emotional intelligence with ourselves or others, that the capacity to say, okay, I have to see what I'm regulating, which is the car, and I have, then I can able to shape it. And so I don't know if that is very understandable, if that makes sense. And I can maybe offer some examples, but that's how I see emotional intelligence. Yeah, give me, just give me one example. And I do have a follow-up mm -hmm. uh, just concept over top of this that mm -hmm. I want to dive into. Mm -hmm. Give me an example of what you mean by that. So emotional intelligence. So yeah. One thing that happens all the time is because every human craves empathy, but very rarely do we give it a lot. Yeah. So there is an example where we went to a every human craves empathy. Yes. That's a soundbite that everybody. Yeah. Says. Every yeah. human craves empathy because empathy does all these wonderful things in the brain yeah. that we'll talk about and yeah. in the mind. Yep. <clears throat> so one thing that emotional intelligence does through the mind mapping and the mind sight is we went to a college basketball game a few weeks ago yep. and I drove you Go cats by the way, right. big blue nation. You told me that, Hey, can you drive because you're having tire problems and X, Y, Z. If you were to ask, Hey, can you drive? One thing you're needing is the empathy and understanding for me to like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'll definitely drive. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to say, Hey, can you drive emotional intelligence would be to the first thing. Okay. There's a reason mm. that you might need me to drive. Yeah. Not that, okay, Tyler's taking advantage of me or no, I can't drive. I got to pay for gas. It's yeah. more of saying, okay, Tyler is, must be going through something or have an issue. So I'm mind mapping. I'm trying to see out your perspective and all possible perspectives. Yeah. And that is emotional in intelligence. And so what happens is we don't trust a lot of people to have emotional intelligence because not everyone does. So then yeah. you have to add, can you drive? period now add because my car is having troubles. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great um, example. And obviously I was there. I remember that, mm -hmm. you know, that moment, but I think we can all recognize times where we would hope that others would just yeah. give us some empathy and just, mm -hmm. you know what, do I really have to explain this or right. can you just, just trust that I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not trying to take advantage of you or whatever it is. But I, in my opinion, I think it goes back to a little bit of mindfulness, yeah. right? to recognize that the world doesn't always just revolve around ourselves yeah. and that there's other factors at play here. And I, I want to kind of dive in a little bit and I appreciate you talking about emotional intelligence. The reason why I brought that up is because I think to build relationships, you have to be emotionally intelligent because yes. humans are emotional beings. Mm -hmm. Like we're all experiencing different emotions yeah. at any given time. Right. There's, you know, there's, there's fear, there's worry, there's anxiety, there's, you know, happiness, there's joy, there's inspiration, you know, we could be feeling these things simultaneously, mm -hmm. which is why I wanted to kind of shift slightly and just talk about mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And how do we coexist with all of these different things yeah. at play at once? I mean, like our minds are crazy. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you saying that, you know, when we want to build relationships, you have to have the emotional intelligence, because yes. I think a lot of people out there um, can have difficulty building relationships. Yeah. Like, gosh, I don't have a lot of friends or I want to develop more and this is the way to do it. 
Um, and Einstein, you know, this is a whole mindfulness thing and the emotional intelligence piece, but Einstein talks about we have this delusion of separateness so that we're all different from one each other and mindfulness helps you know, the, with the mindfulness reflection helps dissolve that de delusion. So we're actually connected. So because we crave empathy, then we have to all be, be connected. So if, you know, I think of a community like Louisville, which we're in, when we're all connected and we're all seeing ourselves as connected, then we're more likely to be empathetic and then we're more likely to have understanding and then we build, you know, things happen in the brain. We build resiliency as us individuals, but also as a community. And that's cool to think that emotional intelligence and mindfulness can build resiliency within a community. Uh, Dan Siegel also, and this is on mindfulness subject, he did this work at a concentration camp and <clears throat> found that these guards in this horrible con concentration camps would mass murder. And then they would leave um, the you know their work and go home and be really nice and playful with their dogs and their children and so what he's found through this data is people can actually turn off their emotional intelligence or their mind sight and so they can become oblivious and not mindful at all and it usually happens when we think we're different than another person so it's easy to be mindful and be empathetic and the brain has two circuits, one of the physical world and one of the mind type of world. And those circuits of compassion and kindness tick on because I mind map you, I'm mindful, you know, mindful equals emotional intelligence, all that happens. But we can also turn it off when we think, you know, I'm uncomfortable because I don't know this person or if it's a different culture or religion or we see it all the time in politics. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that Daniel Siegel, mm -hmm. Daniel Siegel, so he wrote a book called Mindsight, which Rob put me on and I read it and I was like, man, this is like one of the mm -hmm. most amazing books I've ever read. So I highly recommend that everybody takes a look at that book as well as the other books that we've already mentioned. But uh, one of the things that he talks about is that you can actually have, you know, kind of multiple personalities yeah. right? or you mm -hmm. can compartmentalize yeah. like certain, you know, just ways of being in certain situations mm -hmm. Otherwise, I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the same thing, it, it kind of is on the subject of how you can kind of turn it off and turn it on. Basically, your empathy and your emotional intelligence, which is scary. And again, all comes back to if I feel connected to some person or not. Um, but the idea of you know, we have these like different parts w within us and it all comes out with your comfortability basically. So if I'm around you, I am one way and I like myself around you. Yeah. But if I'm around maybe a toxic relationship, I have to be or abusive relationship, which is toxic. I have to be yeah. someone com completely different. And the tricky thing is, is that if I don't have good mindset, I see myself more as the uncomfortable emotion because it's more powerful. Mm -hmm. So I start not to like myself and I start to, you know, hate myself, see the negative, have a negative perspective. And then this conscious in terms of the subconscious starts to listen. So then, you know, maybe I, you know, I'm angry or depressed or have, you know, a mental illness or something like that. Uh, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And um, I wanted to take it another step further because you're really speaking to me, you know, because of the fact that there's so many people out there, obviously, mm -hmm. right. We all, we all deal with so many different types of people. Um, you're talking about toxic relationships and maybe even not even to that extreme, but you know, we were talking earlier about energy and mm -hmm. how 
like when you and I spend time together, like we know it's going to be a great time. We're going to vibrate at a high level. Yeah. We're going to have great thoughts. We're going to be really creative in yep. our thinking. And I, I'll speak for myself. I won't yeah. speak for you, but I like myself when I'm around you. Right. Because they're high energy and the vibrations are going. And yeah. Got the positive well, vibrations. Uh, for, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Good vibes. Mm -hmm. um, but, but you know, it's a real thing. And then there's other times where you spend time with people and you can really feel kind of the lower level energy. Right. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, if you really want to get woo woo and is really corny on the stuff and, and I get, there, I go there for sure. But, um, you can feel this, this kind of low level energy and that connection is off mm -hmm. and you don't really vibrate higher and you right. don't really have creative thoughts and you don't get excited and it's hard to build a relationship in that circumstance. Yeah. Um, so I mean, like, how do you not get caught in that downward spiral mm -hmm. when you're, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, yeah. but like. I see this a lot where like, man, if I'm with somebody who I'm like, really, mm -hmm. like we're on the same wavelength, it's like, man, anything is possible. Yeah. And then there's other times where it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, I, I'm trying to be mindful mm -hmm. and recognize the fact that, you know what, this is happening, but you still get sucked into it. You I mean, do. how does that, is there any, any thoughts or tips that you would have for those mm -hmm. types of circumstances? Yeah. And first, you know, it's what works for someone might not work for another person, but as yeah, a broad scheme, it, 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 there is a, a way to kind of go about it. So you're kind of saying if someone, you know, either toxic or more of a drain, you mm -hmm. know, so one person, the type of person might really drain me is very, very negative. Right. And so and I, if I'm around that, um, and, and if it's not a client, cause some clients come in and it's really negative, but when you're in my yeah. office, you know, it's a medical mall. So I don't see all that. My see is, okay, we're walking together to try to get you out of this tough place. Yeah. But if I'm at, you know, um, you're looking to serve people on that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's and a, you it's expect a very different perspective. To bring them. Yeah. But yeah, if I'm out at a, you know, like what's something we do a lot. I, don't know. I mean, we were at a basketball game. Yeah. If I'm at a basketball, oh, we were at a basketball game yeah, and exactly. the people behind yeah. us, we're big Kentucky fans, but sometimes Kentucky fans can be crazy. Oh yeah. And so they're all saying all these negative stuff. Jeez. And let's say you weren't there because you kind of built, you helped me get some resiliency to that. Yep. But if I was there by myself, I would start getting codependent. And that is mm -hmm. I'm, I'm having loss of self because of these people's negativity. Yeah. So loss of self could be, you know, maybe I lose sleep, but in that moment I didn't. So I lost the enjoyment of the game. So I, that's loss of self. So way do you get that back is mm -hmm. one to protect yourself, build, build boundaries. But one is to be mindful of that it's happening. And the big thing with mindfulness is not to judge your emotions or not to judge your thoughts, just observe them. Mm. So, okay, I'm starting to feel negative from the negativity around me. And like I would if I was going to lean back and look at the clouds, the clouds are just going right on by. And so I'm not analyzing them. I'm not trying to solve them. I'm just observing my thoughts and feelings and almost welcoming that those negative emotions like I would a friend. So, Hey, negativity or Hey, stress, you know, how are you doing? Good to see you, buddy. And you welcome it. And you, then after that, you kind of see it, see it go away like a cloud and you're just, your role with those thoughts or emotions is just to observe them. It's super powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like one of the most useful practices yeah. like on the planet. Mm -hmm. I mean, because how many times in your day do you get irritated, you get annoyed mm -hmm. or you get, you know, frustrated or you get, you know, stressed mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. And it's like your emotions are really just trying to keep you alive. Yeah. They're trying to pass on the gene. Exactly. They're trying to su support and help you. They're protecting you. Yeah. Even sadness, fear, all to protect you. But I just got to want to say one thing yeah, because this is my therapy mode kicking in. Keep doing it. If someone's listening, 
and they're in maybe a very toxic or abusive relationship, mindfulness isn't enough. You know, you have to set boundaries and that those boundaries could be, what are ways that I can protect myself? Mm. So if I'm having, if I'm married to my physically, yeah, yeah. yeah, And and emotionally, emotionally, because people can be emotionally abusive. So you'd have to set boundaries to, to have resiliency to, to, to them. And a lot of people yeah. say, gosh, I can't do that uh, because maybe the abuser, you know, responds with anger and they test the boundaries or I'm more of a people person. And every time I say that is, well, if you protect yourself, you're pleasing yourself. But uh, I just want to say that That's the good. mindfulness and just observing that is big, but if you're actually being abused anyway, yeah, that, yeah the boundaries. Yeah, are yeah. Big. So I just had to throw that. Well, out there. if you are, you know, you know, we'll put links into the show notes of where you can, <laughs> yeah. where you can contact Rob and actually I'll you know, just real quick. It's Rob is one, mm-hmm. one way, but um, you know, you're talking about the mindfulness and just like as the example at the basketball game, it's like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, like, what are you talking about? Like yeah. this team is awesome. Like this yeah. is so much fun. Like we get to be here, you know, and cheer on, you know, a team that we love uh, and just enjoy life. And you have these negative comments mm-hmm. and the, you know, we, we get swept up in it too. Yeah. It's like my heart starts racing. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? yeah. <laughs> and then you start like, but then when you, I guess it's a, because of the practice and when you train your mind to say, Hey, you know what? I don't have to believe that, or I don't have to, you know, step into that emotion mm-hmm. and just watching it and like letting it. One thing that uh, Tony Robbins talks about, and I probably say that every single show, mm-hmm. I just one thing that Tony Robbins talks mm-hmm. about. He says that emotion lasts 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. Each emotion lasts 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've recognized as well? Or? Yeah, I don't know. It'd be 90 seconds because, you know, it, it can be shorter or longer. But, I, you know, that's a good point because it depends on, you know. The, Obviously, the you can get festered into it and it can yeah, last exactly. longer. So you can, so let's say road rage is really bad because that's yeah. something uh, – <laughs> Remember going to we do went to school at U of L. If anybody would come out and cause an inconvenience, you would, you would lose it. <laughs> I have uh, a little bit of road rage, but I've driven you with you now, and that didn't happen. I, but, meditation, so, so what, and so I, you know, I'll say it too. It's happened with me. It happened the other day on the way to work that you know someone pulled out, you know, came, ran a red light, and then flicked me off like I was in the wrong, even though I was just wanted a green light. And I was just stewing over, like, what type of person could this be? Why are they doing right. this? What, what, are, what are they like? And I caught myself being like, oh, my gosh, I am grabbed on to this emotion and just sat with it mm-hmm. and just let it stewed and marinate all over me. And, man, it was gross. And so then I zoomed back even more and said, no, that's just an emotion, and I'm just going to let it go. And then it went back. And that's a skill people have to build. Yeah. And sometimes you have to work at that. And one way to practice it, you know, practice this mental and emotional hygiene is to the mindfulness breathing. But I'm also very, very big on, like when we were at the lake, we did mindfulness where we were just mindful of all the sounds we heard around us. Yeah. And we were just focused on that. And if a, a thought or a daydream came in our mind, we were just aware of it and we came back to what we were listening to. Yeah. And I do it a lot with visual stuff. So, you know, you kind of play a I spy with yourself yeah. and you have a very wide perspective and you're observing everything. Like I am in this room and then you shrink in to this really nice microphone and you're observing all that. And that can help build resiliency and keep those thoughts and feelings we don't want in the clouds and just letting them go by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that really comes to mind when you describe that is just presence. Yeah. Right? being present and like feeling like, you know, how does your, how do your hands feel mm-hmm. together? 
you know, how, what's the sound or what's the yeah. smell of your breath, you know, like whatever mm-hmm. that is. I mean, like your breath smells terrible. That's, that's right. One of the things that I'm getting right now, mm-hmm. but I'm really here. But you're aware of it. Yeah. yeah. That's good. So that's one of if the If you weren't mindful, you'd smell that. You didn't wear stuff. deodorant. These mm-hmm. are other things that are coming to mind and it's just presence. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's mindfulness. So mm-hmm. this is really how you get there. But actually, but really what we're talking about is like quality of life. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you want to strive. You want to create more in your life. You want to create opportunities. You want to give back to other people. You want to be emotionally intelligent so you can build long-term relationships with, which then will lead to, you know, mutually beneficial relationships. But what we're talking about is like living today yeah, and having joy and having peace mm-hmm. today. Right. What yeah. you say? Yeah. I have this list that what mindfulness does, uh, Bring it. and that what the daily hygiene, you know, we brush our teeth and Nancy calls it brain brushing. And that's the reflective practice of being aware of yourself and others. And what evidence has shown through his research that neuroscience has shown what it does. So tell me if you want these things, if you want, you know, bodily understanding and healing. So actually meditation can actually lower hypertension and it can help with this, you know, liver function and all these types of heart, heart health, uh, attuned to communication. So you're talking about very, the very beginning with, with, uh, the John Gottman stuff, how to properly communicate with, you know, people around us, yep. emotional balance is key and emotional regulation because I want to feel joy when something good is happening, but I also want to feel sad at times because sad helps to heal, but I don't want to have the mood swings and emotional imbalance because I think we can all picture a time when we've had some emotional imbalance. Yep. Um, extension of fear. So it kind of builds, I keep saying resiliency, but it's such a big word, resiliency of fear. So it kind of <clears throat> lessens the effect and the power that feel, fear has, mindfulness can. Uh, flexibility of emotions. So again, I'm not just stuck in depression or I'm not stuck with having anger issues. I can actually, f- be flexible in the emotions, which I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to feel everything. Um, insight, which is very, very key. Empathy toward other people, that's awesome. Morality, so understanding that we're part of a larger whole. Uh, and happiness, all is proven that, that mindfulness can do. So just like the definition of the mind, it's a mind. It's an embodied and relational thing. So mindfulness helps the mind, the body, and our relationships and what Dan Siegel then points out, within the brain, it grows amazing thing. It built, you know, great, you know, neurons fire and wire together with mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, he has this hand model of the brain. So if I, you know, here's the. Uh, you got to be watching on YouTube yeah, for I'm this one. Right yeah, hand. Yep. So my wrist is the spine and uh, the limbic part right here is the reptilian brain right here. Yep. And then there's a cortex come over and those fingers right here are the prefrontal cortex, which handles all these things. And if you see, they touch everything. So it wraps around everything. And that's the part where we have the empathy. Hmm. And what it does, where my fingernails are, it grows and it grows parts of the brain that allows us to be resilient and allows us to have grit and strength and allows us to be motivated to go through obstacles and not be stuck. So within the brain, mindfulness is shown to, to do those things. And it's just incredible especially with children really because children's brains brains grow so fast. That's one thing that I'm like super excited about having children in the mm-hmm. future is to teach them this, Yeah, you know, from a young age. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine like 
having this type of understanding younger yes. and growing through your life with that, yeah. I mean, it'd be amazing. And kids need that because when the kids go to preschool, they learn about empathy goes, Oh, this is why I need to share. This is why I need to pick up. Yes. This is why. But then when they hit kindergarten, another sequel thing comes about this, they're hit with the three R's reading, writing, and arithmetic. And all so writing starts with an R. Wow. Yeah. Know. Okay. All right. That's good. So would I say that right? <laughs> what did I say? Reading? Yeah. No, I say, um, What's the three R's in elementary school? Reading. Uh, reading. I don't know. Rulers. Yeah. Rulers. Gosh, I'm going to come back. So rhombuses. Rhombuses. Reading, arithmetic, and, uh, well, I, there's another one. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Writing sounds like an R. Yeah. <laughs> R is silent. <laughs> but what, what Siegel talks about is that you need to add on three R's, and that's reflection, resiliency, and relationships. Yeah, and that's wow. what kids really, really need on top of the other three R's. And kids need it because humans need it. Like exactly. Adults need it. Like humans crave empathy. Yeah. yeah. If you can plant these things into your subconscious mind, which is what kids do when they're learning anything, yeah. because their brain waves are slower, and you can implant that into you know the deep parts of their, mm -hmm. you know, psyche or their you know yeah. their their central nervous system yeah. which is really that's if you want to learn something lasting like it needs to come through your nervous system exactly which is why i always say share this with someone else and teach someone else mm -hmm. and help someone else understand it because that's how you start to act it out like your body Very starts to so. anchor it in mm -hmm. I, I, so anyway that's i just wanted to make a mention people are like why are you talking about kids mm -hmm. and like we all love kids but it's like we were all kids at one point yeah. right you're trying to build a better humanity it's like you have to start there. Yeah. When you say, yeah, I, I would. And you know, there's one thing you pointed out that I just want to make sure is, is, you know, home's clear is that being present with mindfulness. And so a lot of people think mindfulness is just clearing the mind, which is not it at all. It's no. being present and observing the mind. Observing. Mm -hmm. You are not the mind. Yeah. You That's are not your thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Your thoughts are just like weather clouds up there. And you know, a lot of them are, and you can't believe everything you think. Yeah. Some thoughts are great. Like, you know, you're a wonderful leader, a great friend. Those are real thoughts. But what's not thoughts are the ones that might come in the middle of the night when we can't sleep. And yeah. those are just like weather clouds. That's one of the hardest things for people to like grasp is like, you're not the mind because mm -hmm. like no one ever, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I never heard about any of this mm -hmm. stuff until I was like, you know, just probably a few years ago. And when someone would say, you're not the mind, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, mm -hmm. that makes no sense. What would you say to those who maybe aren't familiar with this concept or can't fully kind of step around to the fact that this is true or mm -hmm. this is the case? I mean, you are not the mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a weird concept because yeah. it's like, how am I not the mind? Are you saying that I, me being is separate mm -hmm. than this body or this yeah. physiology? It's interesting. I won't share names. We can go deep on this it one. You can go deep because I just had a client I saw today. 13 year old boy who is now having thoughts of ending his life and what's death like and very, you know, depressed, you know, do my parents love me? Am I a failure? And he is given these thoughts by a friend or they're just coming to him like, you know, weather clouds just show up, weather thoughts, we'll call them. Yeah. Um, and then he's believing them as true. So he's grabbing them, holding them, dissecting them. And after you, if you sit, too long with it, you becomes your reality. So you start to believe them yeah. as fact. And that is where the mind kind of comes in. And then the mind, if you sit with it and believe this fact comes into filter into the subconscious. And if your subconscious believes it, it's, you know, it gets really dangerous. And then that's how some people, unfortunately, 
might make a plan to hurt, hurt, hurt themselves. Yeah. But he was like, gosh, this is the idea of this mind is very unique and didn't understand it. And it's helpful to use, we call it CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, which I'm not a huge fan on, but to introduce the mind, it's helpful. And it's the same thing that we're just talking about, that thoughts aren't all real and we can't believe everything we think and thoughts are part of the mind, you know, the conscious, the conscious mind. So I don't know if that answers your question. It, but. I mean, it does. Mm-hmm. It, you know, in the, I guess what I kind of distill it to is like, if you aren't mindful, mm-hmm. you can get swept up in your thoughts. Very and your thoughts up. can then become real. Yeah, they can exactly. then become your identity. Yeah. They can then become your reality surrounding you because your thoughts equal your emotions, which equals yeah. your actions, which equals mm-hmm. your habits, which equals your character, which equals your life situation, mm-hmm. as Eckhart Tolle would say. Uh, or totally, I don't even know how to pronounce his mm-hmm. name. He wrote the power of now, which really kind of blew my mind, but, um, you know, literally blew mm-hmm. my mind. But, um, I just, I think it's interesting because you don't have to accept these thoughts. You yeah. know, you can accept the empowering beliefs. Mm-hmm. Like I did a talk the other night about what reason there's five reasons why real estate investors fail to scale. And I believe this is the case, you know, with most businesses and it starts with a limiting belief mm-hmm. like, Oh, yeah. I can't do this because I don't have enough money. I don't have enough connections. I don't know enough people, you know, the market's really competitive mm-hmm. or the market's terrible or the right. economy is horrible. And so like, if those are your thoughts, like, okay, well you get to own them if you really want them. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, wait a minute, that's a limiting belief or, yeah anything like I can't, you know, I can't travel the world mm-hmm. because I don't have money or right. I don't, you know, I don't know how to do that or whatever it is. It's like, do you want that to be a reality? Cause you can, if you choose to. Exactly. And, and people are oblivious to that. Like I say, those thought trains, we can get on them when they're just taken for a ride or not. A conductor. Yeah. Great. And so one things they really do is what you're talking about. Those false beliefs can filter into the, subconscious and can keep us in trances that are very negative so yeah. negative trance and so by definitions we're actually then hypnotized by the negative beliefs the false beliefs and so that you know think of us being hypnotized all you know all throughout our day or we can be hypnotized from a thought if in a belief through hours and you know some people can go through life you know hypnotizing tra- a negative trance so you Okay, so you've talked to me about this before mm-hmm. on trances, mm-hmm. and you say that human beings are in trances multiple times a day. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I'd say, I think anyone can relate. When you're driving in a car, and you go, gosh, I don't remember the last few mm-hmm. minutes of that drive, your definition, in, you're in a trance. You're going to mildly hypnotize. And that's just the, you know, the way I understand the subconscious coming out and the conscious mind taking a back seat. And then you kind of snap out of it. Um, we call that kind of destabilized, you're destabilized. And so a, a client could come into my office and sit down, and actually one did today, and is like, gosh, angry at this, I'm angry at that, I'm angry at this, I'm all angry, and he's just in a trance. And he's just saying all this, feeling all this, and he's in the negative one, he's hypnotized from it. So what we do is destabilize it and get him out of it. So he's just like, you know, you know, woke up. Pattern interrupts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we move in and say, let's, let's get into a positive trance. But you have to have a conversation with the subconscious to to make sure that's that works right. That's why I like one of my kind of mantras is to guard the gates of your mind. Yeah. Because it's the most fertile ground in the universe, mm-hmm. right? Anything that's planted into your mind will become. Mm-hmm. So if it's negative, if it's anger, if it's all these different things, 
that will fester and it will become mm -hmm. your reality. And so if you can guard that, if you can say, Hey, you know what, wait a minute, I didn't allow you to come in. I didn't allow yeah. that negative information to come in, but I am consciously like mm -hmm. I'm using my prefrontal cortex mm -hmm. to plant in information or, you know, empowering beliefs or yeah. empathy or whatever it is. So then, okay, now I can go out and be who I really want to be. Mm -hmm. So you can use your conscious mind to then leverage your subconscious mind mm -hmm. to then create the trances that you want is essentially. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like sports. There's different sports and there's so many different ways to do it. And there's no wrong way uh, in therapy because you want it to happen quick. You know, sometimes we use trances. So we hypnotize some clients and, to get to the subconscious right away. And so, you know, one client, another one I saw today is having a false belief of fear that is really, really inhibiting her from having a healthy relationship um, and kind of moving forward with her life. And one thing we do, you kind of get them in a trance and that's where, you know, you're really relaxed and you're in kind of a rhythm and you're allowing the subconscious so they're visualizing things. But then we have them picture themselves kind of in a room, kind of like this, and they're all seeing this in their mind. And we have a TV screen and we say, can your subconscious speak to us? Yes or no. And yes or no will pop on the screen. And it's really wow. wild. And then can we say, you know, we appreciate the subconscious. You're there to protect us. Thank you for protecting us. Can we let go of the fear right now? And yes or no will pop up. And if no pops up, that's great because resistance is a great thing to work with. Uh, but sometimes it's yes. And it literally, if they're in a deep trance, let's go. And they don't have that same fear leaving. And it's pretty powerful. That's amazing. Yeah. I'll say one other thing. Another go trance ahead. you do is, and it's very strange. You, people are listening or thinks it's witchcraft or it's all fake, but it's, it's evidence-based too, is that you put in, in, a, in a trance, uh, you're going through a time machine and you're setting the time machine anytime in the future to meet your future self and you see your future self and it's a vision of what your subconscious sees it and your subconscious will do everything it can to try to put you in that position wherever you set that time machine in the future whether it's good or bad and if it's bad we want to change it if it's good let's work with it and then you have a conversation with that future self and i always tell people when they're in the trance ask yourself one question and listen to the response and then you embrace and you say goodbye and you come back to here now in my office and the responses and the questions they ask their future self are just incredible. It's like one of the most rewarding things I do. So give me an example. What's one question that you've seen recently? So like yesterday. Can't make this up either. Yeah, like yesterday I was working with a woman who's going through postpartum and really bad relationship stuff. She's kind of being traumatized by her family and shamed. Um, it's just so overwhelming. And she thinks she's a failure. Uh, she doesn't have any hope. She's hopeless. And so really, really a negative trance. Um, and the, the most unfortunate, she was at this great school, PhD, and then had a child with you know, her boyfriend she's having trouble with. And she, now she's lost meaning, some meaning in her life because she was at the PhD program. She dropped yeah. out to do it. So it's really tough. So she went in to meet her future self. And while she's in the trance, it's the first time I've seen it. She was kind of getting teary eyes. It was powerful. And she saw herself. I can't remember how many years, but she was successful, happy, a mother doing all these great things around the house. And she hugged her future self and asked it, you know, how did I make it through all this? And her future self said, it just takes time. Hmm. And so she came back to here and now and <clears throat> uh, was just overwhelmed. And said, gosh, now I have hope. You know, I, I kind of know that this isn't going to get better overnight, but just hearing that it takes time. 
and that my subconscious mm-hmm. sees this and I have this future self I'm going to build up to makes me feel better. And so that was an example of it. And sometimes the answers are even more concrete and not so open. Like it just takes time. Some of them are very specific and it's kind of what they need to hear. And that's why I always tell you is that when we give each other advice or if you give someone an advice, you actually, it's more beneficial for you giving it to the yeah. person hearing it because your subconscious is you're coming out through there. A little yes. Bit. And when you talk, you sort out your thoughts that may have not been conscious before. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's amazing. That's why I always say teach this to someone else because mm-hmm. that's how you really learn. That's how you really anchor your understanding. And we're both learning right now. I know I am as I oh, talk. Yeah, I've and learned for sure from you all the time. Um, one of the things that I, you know you mentioned before is like, oh, it might sound like witchcraft and all this mm-hmm. stuff, and and uh, you know it, it does to some people. And some people are like, you know what? I can't play the rest of this podcast. Like, I don't want to hear it. this. Is crazy. Like, yeah. I just want to. I just want to know how I can find more deals or how I can mm-hmm. make more money or whatever it may be. And that's fine because the people who've stuck around are the ones who are committed. They're committed to doing whatever it takes. And this is really how you create anything you want in your life. Yeah. And there's science behind it. Like, yeah. you know, like I, I don't know if you've studied anything that Dr. Joe Dispenza has mm-hmm. done, but you know, he's a neuroscientist and he talks about like, literally there's the physiology behind like your subconscious mind, like the brain waves. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're normally, I think you're normally in the alpha mm-hmm. vein, you know, or it might be beta or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, brain I'm, I'm more alpha, you're more beta. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know about that. You're more the, mud, you know, you're more the, uh, the run of the litter here, but, uh, anyway, so you're, you're, you're there normally it's like your executive brain function, but if you can, you know, get to a lower brainwave state and you can go lower and lower and lower, you know, you can really start to implant the things that you want, you know, mm-hmm. kind of within your own mindset. And I'm probably getting into deep water no, that's with this, great. but, um, but, but also, I mean, like you can also, when you, you were talking a little bit about kind of visualizing your future self, mm-hmm. like with your clients, it's like, wow, you know, the, the, the client, you know, the wisdom that came from just being in this brainwave mm-hmm. state, the physiology of that, and then speaking back to them and, and realizing that, but then also, you know, there's another book I read called psycho cybernetics by mm-hmm. Dr. Maxwell Maltz. And what he talked about is like visualizing your future self. And like, you know, when you, when you have a goal and you want to like really make that happen, your brain doesn't know the difference between visualizing it and actually experiencing it. Mm -hmm. So then when it has the opportunity to capture that opportunity, it's already been there and it creates it and it sorts out all these ways Mm -hmm. to coalesce, to make things happen. Yeah. I mean, is that anything that like you would kind of tie in sort of your perspective with that perspective in any way? Oh, very much so. And I I just want to, so I know I'm kind of cutting short your answer, but I just want to speak to you and what you just brought up about the people who may turn this podcast up. You know, there's so much that I admire about you. And I think I, I tell you a lot. The one thing that Tyler, you do really well is have this curiosity and humbleness to keep growing and learning in ways that maybe you, you don't and because it's, it's so easy and it's easier to maybe like listen to this and some people think gosh that's witchcraft that doesn't make sense even though it's evidence-based so people listening I hope they say this is evidence-based again that if you do these things like mindfulness that we talk about um, it, it opens up so many doors and you're your best self it's kind of like if I go to the gym, if I stretch or do yoga, I want to use my body at its maximum potential. And if you incorporate these things that neuroscience is finding, you're going to, 
operate your brain and your mind at maximum potential. And just because it's not a way you thought it was going to be like the trance stuff, well, that's on you to say, okay, then I'm not going to be my best self because of that false belief, that thought. And you I've seen, don't, don't have that. If something is strange or anything, you don't, you don't have these avenues that close those doors to grow. You'll open any door, uncover any rock, to say, okay, is this a possible way to better myself? Mm -hmm. And you don't have any sort of judgments or preconceived notions that that's crazy, that won't work, or stubbornness. It's, no, I'm going to do this. And that's probably why you're successful and going to continue to grow. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I just want to make a quick mention. Um, You know, it's about identifying and applying. And Mm -hmm. like the reason why I say, hey, we're going to identify and apply how the best of the best race of our Mm -hmm. personally and professionally in real estate and beyond is because, you know, it's about finding something and saying, all right, does this work? Let's mm-hmm. test it out. You know, I'm the type of guy who's like, I want to see the, I want to see the evidence. Yeah. I want to see the studies. I want to see the reality. And then let me find out if that reality also matches for me. Right. Cause I talked to a lot of people about like, Hey, nutrition and all these kind of things. And there's so many like diets out there. Right. Mm-hmm. And not everything works for everybody. Everybody's body's different. Right. Everybody body, everybody's body responds differently. But a lot of this stuff that we're talking about is universal and mm-hmm. human beings, Very much so. you know, um, if you can apply it to your own life, you know, give it some time. I would say give it, you know, six months or a year and wait till you see mm-hmm. these, like, you know, these synchronicities start to show up in mm-hmm. your life when you start to really believe this and surrender to the mm-hmm. fact that anything is possible. If you can, you know, work on yourself yeah. on a daily basis. That's mm-hmm. why it's, it's about personal growth. It's mm-hmm. about this journey of like life does not have to be suffering. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm obsessed with it because not only do I want it in my own life and the people that I love, but I want to give it to millions and millions yeah, of other people. Yeah. And I, you know, while, while I was telling you that I was thinking of like Al Davis of the Oakland Raiders, because here's to someone yeah. that was an amazing owner, maybe for his time, one of the best. And then if I'm not mistaken, you know, had this kind of contemptuous view is like, okay, I'm going to kind of manage the team. So I was owner, and I'm going to come in and kind of play GM. I'm going to show you guys. Yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. Kind of, and then the team really, really failed. And I, that stubbornness where it creates walls and short perspective, we can't grow in that. Yeah. We really can. And, you know, you do a great job with that. So, yeah, that's a random story. But that's what I was thinking. Well, of. that's this is a perfect example of how Rob, the empathy, this mm-hmm. is like he values relationships so much. So he always says things like this, which no one else honestly says things like you do. Mm-hmm. He's not just saying this because we're on a podcast mm-hmm. right now. He's saying these things because he recognizes, you know, qualities in other people mm-hmm. that are something that he admires or, you know, he sees the good in other people. And I think that's a takeaway for mm-hmm. all of us is to say, you know what, what do we see in someone else? And let's tell them now. Yeah. Because one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was like Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. like oh, you yeah. and I, you know, we loved Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. and you we know, had a relate. Remember at the beginning I said, we have relationships with not just people, you know, he's a person, we never met him, but we had a relationship with it. Exactly. And that relationship is real. Exactly. Just like to the ocean. Well, and yeah. the reason why I thought about Kobe is because like, you know, he's, you know, no longer with us. And I'm super sad about it still. I've talked about it like on several mm-hmm. podcasts recently. And I wanted to just dive into that with you as well. You know, because of the fact, you know, just for you got to mention something to someone else that you you admire in them, tell them you love them today. Mm-hmm. And don't wait until later because tomorrow's not promised. But then also, with that said, like, talk to me about like, why do you think Kobe was like such a like, 
why was that so hard for us when mm-hmm. he died? Like, what are your thoughts? I mean, just, yeah. So I, I can't speak for you, but for me, it's the same way about how it just really impacted me. So I have yeah. had a lot of reflection on why it matters. And to me, you know, growing up, you know, we have MJ. It's funny because Space Jam was on the other night and, you know, my wife and I were watching it, but, um, you know, MJ was there and then Kobe kind of took over. MJ was both of our like heroes. Yeah, like he, Michael Jordan was both of our heroes and then Kobe. Yeah, but yeah. then when we got to a certain level where, you know, we're playing high school and stuff, you know, Kobe was the, the man. Oh, yeah. And so we, you know, mirrored your, your game after him and you, know, you kind of go outside and you kind of do the Kobe shot. Oh, yeah. And so it becomes a part of your identity. You know, here's this person I look up to and I look up to him in maybe different ways that you do. And that maybe everybody has their different way they looked up to yeah. Kobe Bryant, but it comes a part of my identity. You know, this is a little bit who I am. Kobe is someone I see and I visualize and I want to kind of mimic. And he just, you know, whether it's in basketball, but he has that mama mentality that just you could use in school or work or whatever. And you just see how successful he is and um, the grit he has. And so that comes a part of you and it's like stamped on the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And so here's that person I, I don't know, but have a relationship with and then it's gone. And so then you're like, oh my gosh. And because so part of your identity, maybe a very small piece goes away with it or dies. Yeah. Or you feel that loss or you feel that weight. And so that's what I think. But what, what do you think? I mean, I thought it was um, like one of the things that really came to mind for me was that, you know, it felt like a little bit of my like, you know, kind of coming to age, <laughs> like died a little bit during that. And yeah. it was like, yeah. you know, it wasn't something that I was consciously aware of. Mm-hmm. But when it happened, it took me a lot. It was a lot of grief, really. I had to go through a lot of grief about this. And like you said, I never met the guy. Never, you know, we, we watched him play in person, yeah, which was, I was literally talking about it the day before he died, that it was still the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. How many did he drop? He dropped 39 <laughs> points. I mean, it was amazing. And it was just like another night, the yeah. star amongst stars. I mean, we yeah. were in the Staples Center and, you know, every star, you know, that you can imagine was there. But, you know, Kobe was just the center of it. I mean, he was the middle of everything. And, you know, he, the thing was, like, even with as much talent as he had, he just never gave up. He yeah. never was willing to be outworked. Mm-hmm. And then I think the biggest thing for me was, like, when he retired, he was, like, he was so, like, it was, like, his real personality then was coming out. Yeah. He was so joyful. And mm-hmm. he was, like, giving back. And he was having so much fun. He was being so creative. And I was like, man, I just want to be like him. You know what I mean? I just want to be who he is and like how inspiring he is. And yeah. it's just like, I don't know, man. It, one of the things, my biggest takeaway is like, have no regrets and say what you want to say right now. And, you know, do the things that drive you today and leave an impact. I mean, like there's millions, if not billions of people who knew and were deeply affected by the fact that Kobe died. How many people can you say that about? Yeah, not many. Yeah, not really. So, like, do you want your life to count? So, um, you know, that's why, like, we're trying to do this right now. It's like, you know what? We may not ever be like a Kobe Bryant from the worldly perspective. Or Who knows? Maybe, maybe we maybe, will. Maybe be. You, you never know. Yeah. Um, but you know, the the whole point is like, do something today to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's how not only is going to create you know abundance in your life and, and the opportunities in your life, but it's going to, you know, it's going to create something forever, you know? So yeah. uh, anyway, I just, I wanted to bring it. I know it's super random, but uh, no, we, we love Kobe. Yeah. I mean, we love basketball and we're competitive and we're athletes. It's yeah, it's very, very topical. 
why do you think we still love basketball so much? Like mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're, we're 30, we're in our thirties now. And like, you know, we're, we're, we're ramping up our professional mm-hmm. careers in so many different ways. I mean, why do we still love to watch like Kentucky Wildcats? Like, why are we watching those guys now? They're like 18 years old. Well, and we're like, it's about to be March Madness. Like, come on. Yeah. Why? I was at, I was, why do you think? <laughs> That's my therapy. But anyway, so why, why would I think? I, I, it's part of an identity. I, I think it's the same way. You know, a lot of people say Kentucky Ooh. basketball is a religion. But it's the same way. It's a meaning-making system. Yeah. It's a way to connect us. And remember mm-hmm. that our, our brains and our minds, we need connectivity. We, mm-hmm. We're part of a larger whole. And so it's searching for ways to that. So being a fan of a sports team, we're still passionate about it, is a way to still feel connected. Yeah, and still have meaning. We're going to that meeting. We follow the seasons. It's a way to have you know, have have meetings. That's why I think we're st- we're still fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all right, this is a perfect transition because I want to talk about identity. Mm-hmm. I feel like identity is one of the most important concepts, really, in anyone's life. Mm-hmm. It's what identity do you hold? And it's like we were talking about earlier: is the beliefs that you you know listen to in your mind? Do you hold on to them mm-hmm. or do you let them pass like the clouds? Right. So, I mean, do you agree with that is, is identity? I mean, and how also, if, if the identity is, you know, I'm angry all the time and I nothing, nothing ever goes my way or, you know, you know, work hard, you know, it's like no pain, no gain, mm-hmm. you know, do you, do you have to, do you have to own that forever? Is it a hard process to change your identity or what's your opinion? Yeah, I think, you know, part of being mindful is, reflecting and so where is where did my identity come from was my identity partly given to me by somebody else so a lot of people grow up thinking yeah my parents always told me that you know I was a failure and so do I think my my identity as a failure come from my parents or where does it come from so there was a there's a reflective aspect to it but I do think identity changes and is flexible just like the how mindset says you have to regulate and understand I mean and then you can shape the mind the mind can be shaped and it's always kind of growing and expanding so with that you know you can have a, a different identity well what, what do you think well I, I wanted to follow up on one piece of that because mm-hmm. you mentioned how your identity is really shaped from your childhood and your upbringing yeah and your environment there so and can be shaped on other external factors as we go could you shed a little bit more light on that like what is there a point in time where, you know, your identity is more shaped more than others, or is it a collection of your life experiences that's constantly evolving? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, from an attachment lens, uh, you know, that's, you get into Freud stuff, <clears throat> but the attachment you have with a mother and a father or both creates an identity, a healthy one within a child. And so I'm just, I keep saying resiliency and it's a big word, but the biggest thing that, builds resiliency is that uh, do I have strong personal close relationships yeah. especially with mother and, and, and father um, and there's this really cool experience so from infancy yeah infancy yeah. it begins yeah and in that that feeling of that attachment never goes away you know, all the inner child the yeah. inner child that craves attachment never really goes away so you know, that, the identity is key but there's uh, this video that I really recommend people watch it's called it's on YouTube. It's called the baby still face experience experiment. And this mother is playing with this baby and the baby is responding to the hugs and kisses. And then the scientist says, go to still face. And the mom just kind of does not have any sort of reaction. The baby picks it up really quickly. 
and tries to do anything it can to get some sort of acknowledgement from the mother. So it starts to scream, cloud, uh, cry, it starts throwing toys, it's getting uncomfortable from the stress of the situation, and then kind of shuts down. And then the mom comes back and gets out of still face and starts loving again. And how that baby feels when the mom is closed, that's how we can feel even through adulthood. But it can last a lifetime without some sort of intervention, which is why maybe therapy can be helpful. Yeah, it's amazing. But I think the biggest thing is just to go back in your own life mm -hmm. and try to figure out like, where are certain beliefs? Where did they originate? You know, yeah. are yeah. they are they real? And right. did you get did you get kind of hypnotized into a trance yeah. over your life to believe and to identify with those beliefs that were planted, you know, within your own subconscious while you were a child. And yeah. so, you know, you may not be taking action on a certain goal or a certain you know, part of your life because of the fact that you don't feel like you're worthy or whatever it may be. Yeah. So digging into your past thing is so important. But, uh, you know, Rob, I want to talk about you now. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about like, who is Rob Giltner, the guy who's, you know, who's giving so much. I know it's um, one of the things that I know for sure is so challenging as to what you do is that, you know, you deal with a lot of heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. So to be able to kind of like develop that kind of, I, I would describe it, you may, you may disagree. A little bit of fortitude to be able to go in. Mind mapping. Mind mapping. Yeah, emotional intelligence. Yeah. What you're doing. yeah. So <laughs> I think you come in with it and you say, all right, well, I don't have to be wrapped up into these emotions and I don't have to you know, be dragged into the mud perhaps, but I'm also going to serve these people. Mm -hmm. So like the, the question that I'm trying to get to is like, are there habits that you've consciously created mm -hmm. in your own life to be able to serve people mm -hmm. in this state? Yeah. And you know, first I'd say it's it's easy not to be like to doing, but to stay in that place of sitting with all the heaviness because you know, one someone told me that a therapist, you kind of see the worst in people. And that's partly true, but the other part is you see the best in people too, because whether it's couples where you see high conflict and negativity to healing and love, or healing and love just individually and change. You know, that is when the best comes out. And that right there, like, energizes me so much. And I love it and crave it. Uh, it, it so you're, like, the outcome, you know the outcome is worth going through that. Yeah, or, like, the growth. And, yeah, growth. <clears throat> and, yeah, as, as a therapist, you're empathetic and you're sitting with the pain and maybe sometimes, you know, holding it for the client. <clears throat> but But it's done in a sense of, I know this is going to heal and change and grow. So it's like gives you a, gives you dad strength, you yeah. know, you yeah. know, or, you know, I'm going to lift this car up with my son because right. you know, whatever happens, I don't know. But yeah, so <clears throat> that, that dad is one strength. thing that makes it very, very easy. But one thing that some things that I do to make sure I don't go home with that baggage is have some sort of retainer. So something, how, what can I, how can I create a way that I retain things at the office? And so one thing that I do immediately when I get home is change clothes hmm. and I actually feel the weight of all the clients, pain, stressors, whatever it is, go away. And it's, and my, you know, my wife will say, if I keep my clothes on, I'm kind of in a trance and just sitting with all the stew of the client stuff. And she can tell a difference in my behavior and she'll go, Oh, you gotta go change clothes. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And wow. I come down and I'm a new person. So in some way, how can you, you know, retain or put, you know, have something, uh, 
to either keep it at the office or keep two separate worlds separate. That's really interesting. Like you almost compartmentalize that type of your life. Yeah. By just the physiological, mm -hmm. like what's what's on your body. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think really maybe you can relate to this is that someone who might only see me on the weekends and say, you're a therapist. I can't, I can never believe that. Um, and then someone who just sees me being a therapist can be like, oh, how do you have fun? It's yeah. just very different because I have those boundaries. Yeah. And I keep that. Uh, yeah. And that's, that, that's key. So maybe it is like you said, compartmentalizing a yeah. little bit. Mm -hmm. What's the, um, what's the most worthwhile investment you've made in yourself over the past few years? The most worthwhile is in, in the people around me like you. Yeah. And it, it, it doesn't even have to be money. I mean, yeah, it I'm, yeah, I'm saying to, to, yeah. to maintain friendships and relationships. Again, maybe not just with people, but maybe with nature and maybe with water, uh, maybe with a higher power, maybe with music, all those type of things to maintain those relationships because you, you know, other people and other things, those relationships hold me up and mm -hmm. that, and you know, time, is an investment. You can spend time, you know, building clients and seeing clients, spend time doing notes, spend time with with you. And that is my biggest investment. Yeah. And it's gets harder as we go because you know life gets crazy. But yeah. that that's because you're a part of who I've become. And so are all these other different figures that, that I have. Mm -hmm. And without that, then I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> Definitely wouldn't be on the yeah. Elevate podcast. But I mean, it's all, these are all great reminders for us all is like, while we're striving, while we're creating, mm -hmm. while we're, you know, doing whatever it takes to develop the appropriate identity mm -hmm. or become the greatest version of ourselves or, you know, develop our own emotional intelligence, our mm -hmm. own compassion, you know, for ourselves, mm -hmm. but while also remembering it, who else has really supported me, mm -hmm. who else has really, you know, believed in me mm -hmm. and who else do I have fun with? You know, yeah. like that's one thing, like, you always remind me of it's like you know what we have to have fun too. We gotta play. Yeah, we're we're, we're still we have the inner child. I know that's a cliche, but yeah. we have to play. Yeah, and I think we play well. No, we do yeah. play well. We do play well. But um, what 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 type of play? I mean, what 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 other play is important in your life? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. So I I think you know being goofy and laughing and being being silly feels good. It does, and some people take themselves too seriously. But it, maybe it's not a type of play, but it's something that I incorporate and I hope that people listening work to incorporate. It's another investment. It's just engaging in compassion and compassion for yourself and compassion for those around us because we are all connected. And the, again, the brain craves that compassion and it craves the empathy when receiving it. So that's another kind of kind of big inv uh, yeah, investment. But I know that's not a play, but... Well, yeah. which, what are ways I'm curious to know which ways you play? Well, some of the ways that I play are by hanging out with you mm -hmm. for sure. Cause we, you know, here's the thing, like we can have these deep conversations mm -hmm. and these like profound, like world changing, which we believe could be yeah. world changing type of thoughts. And like, I truly believe yeah. that in my soul that the stuff that we talk about mm -hmm. is, but then at the same time, like we can totally go like the other end of the spectrum and yeah. just like, be, dumb. be ridiculous <laughs> yeah. and sometimes like you just need that outlet yeah and, like i i appreciate that and just bouncing around i mean honestly like i don't i don't think i have enough fun in my life yeah. right now I, I need to do more i don't think fun. we all do yeah yeah so like what's so if we were to brainstorm and say what other fun things could we do in our life what would that be i think it'd be different for everybody because mm -hmm. maybe what's fun for me 
Like I'm not. I love traveling. Yeah, traveling is a big yeah. one. You know, someone may be listening and think, "Gosh, I love playing like some video game," and I don't think we—that's not our you know, feel. But honestly, just sorry to cut you off. I I have fun in these type of relate these type of yeah. conversations. Mm-hmm. Like this to me is like really fun. Yeah. Like this is honestly one of the most fun things mm-hmm. I do. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think we're both competitive. So doing yeah. things that it's like a competition is fun. Oh, yeah. Some people, hey, that's not for them, and that's we're gonna true. have compassion and say, yeah, that's you know that's that's okay if mm-hmm. you don't. But we have you know competition. I think it's fun to have competition with yourself and yeah. Competition with yourself. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one that I think. Actually, like, that's why I love personal growth is because it's not against anybody else. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to, I was talking to somebody else today about this is like social media, you're comparing yourself yeah. to everyone else. Yeah, and that is a dangerous game to play. Very much. But the most empowering game, in my opinion, is to just be better than you were yesterday. Yeah. And just try to improve. And you know what, there's days where you're going to slide back, you're going to fall back, you're not gonna be perfect in every way. But I love the competitiveness with yourself yeah you know I, I, mean? I had someone i really respected told told me to tell me this week that uh or to share the negative effects of competition and there, oh, there right. are so there's yeah. unhealthy competition and competition but she just shared the unhealthy and it's true you know, can create fear you can create this uh terrible relationship with failure because you know we have to have a good relationship with failure um but but the whole time she was thinking about saying these negative effects, I'm thinking of the positive things that competition can do. Yeah. Because sometimes competition can create a trigger for people who competition has traumatized them. Yeah. Yeah. And so it can be bad or good. But I think we're talking about the good that competition can do. And yes, with the self, if you're competition if you're competitive with yourself, but also doing it in a gentle, compassionate way. I think you have a higher ceiling in those who don't. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, competent, you, it, it's like anything. You can look at something and say, this is the worst thing ever. Like, you know, money's the root of all evil. Yeah. Like one example of like, all right, money's the root of all evil. Or you could say money gives you an opportunity to give back to other people yeah. or it gives you an opportunity to create impact or whatever it may be. Yeah. And so it's like, it's an example of that, but like competition. Yeah. It can, it, you know, you can use performing enhancing drugs to right. be the number one competitor. You, you can, can be depressed if you don't reach your goals. And yeah, stay in depression. exactly. Yeah. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to have the mama mentality. Mm-hmm. And while I may have some talent, I'm going to act like I'm the 12th man on the bench and I'm going to get the best out of myself every single day. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to create, I'm going to leave it all out there. I'm going to become the best that I possibly can. And I'm going to be proud at the same time. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be striving for more, but I'm also going to be blissfully, you know, dissatisfied. I'm like, I'm, I'm happy and I'm present, but I'm also striving for more. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, it's wild. What? I just, I remember reading this because we had the Olympics coming up, the Summer Olympics yes. coming up this summer, and it was either the last one or the Winter Olympics. Um, say that Olympic athletes go through real bad depression after the Olympics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just wild because here's your whole meaning making system. You're building up to this one thing and it's over. And it's like, you know, what, what now? And I have a client, oh, I work with some athletes sometimes, I have a client who's, you know, that happens to him after these type of meets. Um, and it's just wild. So that maybe is a negative thing. To well, that's actually a great reminder of the fact that like, there's also professionals like in mm-hmm. business or, or anything, mm-hmm. what, you know, whether you're competing in business or you're competing in sports or, or so many other capacities, when you do accomplish your goal, 
you know, I've, I've seen other people become depressed because it's like, wait, I've been working for this yeah. for so long and now I got it and this is it. That's mm-hmm. all there is. So like, number one, there's, there's a spiritual aspect to business that you have to connect with before you become yeah. that person. Number two, you always have to have another goal. You always mm-hmm. have to have something else to strive for because I think the process is, you know, 90% of mm-hmm. what you want. It's like, becoming more and like going through the challenges and overcoming it's like that's really what it's all about and creating meaning from that rather than just the outcome is so important but that's a really i mean there's you see that a lot with the depression well i think people look at you and see like okay you're talking about the becoming more and maybe it's competitions maybe it's not but how what would you say as kind of lit the fire for you to accomplish all that you have and to keep going that's a good question. Um, I definitely, first of all, I've not achieved nearly that much. So I appreciate you kind well, of frame, you, should, you should celebrate it. Framing yeah, the audience in that way. But no, for sure. I'm definitely, I, it's like, like I said, you know, I'm blissfully dissatisfied, but you know, yeah. I, I still want to become more. Um, and I, I don't know what the question is, what drives me? I guess, yeah. Okay. What, what lights the fire? What's the fuel? Cause I, cause I think everyone has ideas. Yeah. I can start this company. I can write this book. I can do this. I can do a podcast, but very few actually follow through. Yeah. Well, I asked this question to somebody recently and, um, you know, they were actually on my podcast and I said, what, what's the driving force behind what you do? And I asked it at times and this individual said, you know, fear really. Wow. And I thought it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, it was, um, it was not, it was not expected. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was fear of, you know, the potential of lack of resources. Mm. And I do think that that drives a lot of people. I think that a lot of people are driven by, you know, the thorn, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And I've been there for sure. I've been driven by, you know, the fear of the negative consequences of not taking action of, you know, not paying my bills or whatever it is. Um, But I've, what I've tried to do, and I've done this through conscious effort and through mentors and other resources and books is like, I want to be driven by inspiration yeah. more than anything. Mm-hmm. And so that's why like the, the theme of elevate is to, you know, help millions of people elevate to a life without limits mm-hmm. because I was in the corporate world before and I was having to plug it in every single day. And I still, I have great memories of things that I learned and people that I met through that process. But I also recognize that it was a little bit of a like life kind of muffling sort of uh you know, endeavor, Mm -hmm. I feel like, like I had to sit there and like, you know, if you left before five o'clock, you were extremely frowned upon. Yeah. And if you didn't stay until, you know, six 15, it was like, Hey man, you, you left pretty early. It's like, okay, well, um, you know, I have other life too. And I, and I just felt like it was like more so like time in the saddle than Mm -hmm. effectiveness. And so like, so that really drove me to say, Hey, is this all there is? And if this is all there is, you know, first of all, that's depressing. But number two is like, I don't think that this is all that there is. So then I was like driven to say, all right, well, what, what is, what's the other answer for me? Yeah. And then once I've found it, once I found it, I'm like, all right, I need, everybody else needs to know about this Mm -hmm. because this is not the only way you don't have to just live this life where you're totally depressed. And like, you have a couple beers in your driveway every night. You're like, all right, well, got to go to bed, got to do the same thing tomorrow. It's like, right. man, we we're not meant for that. You know no, what I mean? Not. So like, that's what I'm driven for. And like, I put it outside of myself. Like, I don't just want money or whatever it is. Like, I want to bring everybody else with mm-hmm. me. 
so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's like, that's why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. So appreciate you interviewing on my show. Yeah. You can tell I drank the Kool-Aid here. So we've got the, uh, got the Rob Gilbert. Well, if you ever Kool-Aid. need a guest, yeah. like the host, yeah. like if you're on vacation. We can do that. Yeah, we there can you do go. that. That'd be, cool. That'd be cool. So talk to me about what are you working on now? I mean, what are your, um, what are your intentions now? I know obviously you're impacting so many people mm-hmm. with your, you know, with the therapy practice and, um, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. What, what's a, what's a, what are some big things you're excited about now? So it's funny because when I first started this, when I got my master's, I'm like, gosh, if I can just help one person, that would be it. And then you help one person and you're like, all right, that's great. How do I do more? Yeah. So like, okay, gosh, if I could just get a full caseload yeah. and see you know, this many clients a week, gosh, that would just be great. Cause I just want to create change or heal, you know, these type of people. And now it's like, all right, how do I reach a larger audience? So I'm now kind of trying to cook up things like that. I'm, I'm not as, uh, you know, you have such a great podcast. I, I that's just not me. Um, so I'm looking at other avenues to, to, to do that. So one might be writing. I have this uh, concept so I'm kind of working on developing and it's, it's called mind food. So like, you know, brain food, we, everyone talks about that, but mind food incorporates how that we, the mind craves empathy and not just from, you know, our relationships, but ourselves too, and incorporate this, some of the neuroscience stuff. Um, so I really want to expand on that and help educate people on the importance of it, because I think as we move in a direction where our culture and society is, empathy is becoming less, less, and less. And actually, there was this study I read about in school that college students today are, I think it was like between 30 or 40 less empathetic than they are now. And a lot of it can be wow. used through social media or in, in phones and technology. I don't want to sound like an old man, like get off my yard. But you think of a text, like an I'm sorry text, this author talked yeah. about. If I hurt your feelings in person, I see you might get teary-eyed, you might be upset, and my empathy well, comes Well, you get in. teary-eyed. Yeah. And I, you know, you're a big baby. I, I am a big baby. You know, it's, okay, it's good to cry. We should cry. That's... I hope you're not shaming. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you for tuning in. All right. <laughs> but, but my empathy kicks in, or your empathy yeah. kicks in. Um, through a phone, we don't see those nonverbals, or we don't get yeah. that data. So we can just say, oh, I'm so sorry, cool. put the phone down and go on with their day so that empathy is not developed. Uh, so my hope is to reverse that. Because I think, I don't know, one thing that's crazy on like Twitter, I think we're both on, yeah. is now we're in this political race and how nasty everyone is on each, on each other's sides. And so like, you know, political and Democrat, and if you just don't agree, and everyone just votes with the party, and they think other one, oh, you're just dumb, because you yeah. don't believe what I believe. Yeah. That is just creates less Nobody less, aligns with every single Yeah, less and policy. less empathy. Yeah. So my hope is to create this kind of mind food type of thing. And so how can people build that empathy, which we actually crave? So we're starving each other in our own mind with the lack of empathy. So long-winded, but that's what I'm... So, so, tell, so what mind food is, is it's helping people create digital empathy yeah essentially. oh not not digital empathy take digital out okay. i mean it could be create empathy through a digital world right? no, so it, nothing that really relates to digital it could, okay. it could be okay. uh, digital is just an example of how we're starving our mind got it so the mind okay. needs food yeah the food oh, okay. is, is kind of empathy okay mm-hmm. i love that yeah it, it really does and that's something that we'll definitely have a big takeaway from this conversation today is you know you have to be empathetic towards yourself and towards others mm-hmm. to really live a life that, you know, is the, something that you can be proud of. Yeah. So just thinking, you know, there's three R's with the mindset, you know, reflection, 
relationships and resiliency. Relationships. What is it? Reflection, Reflection, relationships, and resiliency. Love it. Okay. Why is personal growth important to you? If you're not, if you're not moving forward, you're not growing, you're not growing, then I'm from, for my situation that I can't help others. And there's nothing more frustrating for me being with a client and feeling stuck or that I don't know what to do or I feel helpless. And that's where I get really pissed off. We're still going. So that, that's kind of way I would drive. Yeah, that was your question, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're, yeah, we're the screen went crazy. And yeah, we're working on some uh, technical. Got your new pictures here. on here showing up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I totally agree with that, though. It's like there's times where I feel like, man, I could be so much better at this situation. Yeah. It's like, man, I really screwed up there, and it does drive me, you know, from a little bit of that lack. But then also, it's like I have to remember, all right don't worry about it. You know, everybody's to start somewhere in whatever capacity it is. Mm -hmm. So let's work towards that inspiration and and, and visualize, Hey, well, you know what, the next time I'm in that situation, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to serve my client in better perspective or whatever it is. I mean, so anyway, I just wanted to stack on top of what you mentioned there for personal growth. So what would you say overall? And again, I asked this to someone else uh, and they mentioned fear, but I'd love to know what's the driving force behind what you do. So I, I think it's I think it's love and kind of care because I know how energized I get from being around you and being around all the relationships I have and I want that for people and so that is the the the, the thing that inspires or motivates me the most because when I see people like whether it's something very obvious like a couple who their marriage is not fulfilling or the relationship is not fulfilling that motivates me because I know what a good relationship does for, for me. And I, gosh, I want that for them. Mm. I'm like, gosh, please can you, you, I hope you get that. And that, that's that love for them. I don't know if it's love as a word, I guess. Well, what would you call it? Um, I would say it's love. So yeah, sure. I would say it's love. I mean, like emotional intelligence is like, is recognizing that someone else has the same desires Mm -hmm. in their life or similar desires. And they just want to be happy. They just want to be, you know, fulfilled. They want to be, they want to grow. And like what Tony Robbins talks about is like the six human needs, mm-hmm. right? Certainty, uncertainty, yeah. you know, love and love and connection, mm-hmm. growth, mm-hmm. Um, whatever. And I, I'm, I'm missing too. I can't think of them mm-hmm. off the top of my head right now, but I've been talking for six hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we all, we all have these, these needs. And so what I, what I'm hearing you say is that you know that other people have it within them, the yeah, capacity exactly. to do that, exactly. but they're just, missing some information, some tactics, some emotions, some physiology, some, some neurology. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I want to talk. You know, one thing that yeah. Gottman stuff points out is that love is not just a feeling, it's an ability. And like some people are naturally born, have the ability, let's say to, to paint and a great artist while others, like for me, I got to go to class after class after class. Yeah. I don't have that ability, but you can build it up. You can work right. with it like you talk about. Right. Let's call it love. Because I had a uh, kind of a mentor or supervisor once tell me a long time ago that if he didn't have anything he liked about a client, then he would have to refer the client out. And so I, I think I love all my clients and I love you, love the people <laughs> listening. There's always things to love about people. So let's, yeah, let's go with love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's always something there's like, this reminds me of like gratitude mm-hmm. as an example. There's always something to be grateful for, mm-hmm. or, and there's always there's always a good quality within you, yeah. even if you don't recognize it. Like within someone else, it's like, man, the guy who flicked you off, right? Yeah. It's like 
I'm sure that guy is not that much of a jerk. Like, I'm sure he's not always just hating on people, right? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Maybe, maybe I, I don't he know. could have a personality disorder, which he is always that way. But there's still right. but there's, passion for it. There's pain there that exactly. brought out on yeah. you, but that was brought out from someone else. That you know, where did that stem from? Was it mm-hmm. was it Adam and Eve when they yeah. when they ate the uh, mm-hmm. the, the wrong was apple? It from Tyler who bullied them as a <laughs> yeah uh, yeah maybe. <laughs> yeah. maybe. No, I was, I was, I've always. He was a, he was a, nice. you're a good, you're always. a good boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it is, it just reminds me of the gratitude thing because like, once you start to recognize like one good thing, it's like, oh, well, yeah, like, it's nice that we have a roof over our head mm-hmm. right now. And man, you know what? It's kind of nice we have carpet in here. It's Super not nice. like, not like Ooh, hard on our it's feet. It's really nice carpet. Nice that we have clothes. Mm-hmm. It's nice that we have technology to communicate to other people. Mm-hmm. We have water to drink. And then you start to, it's like, you know what, Rob? He's, he's not a very good-looking guy, no. but he's he's nice. Voice for radio. Yeah. Was it looks for radio? <laughs> <laughs> you have looks for radio. Yeah. Oh my God. So, is there any other questions you want to ask me, or you want to go through before we go into our rapid fire section? Uh, let's see. So, when you have look at your relationships, let's say the concept of not just people, your relationships with career. Um, the things that give you energy, how would you grade the, how, how you are manifesting those relationships? So like from a scale of one to 10? Or any, any, any scale or grade you want. And maybe this is too much information for them. No, I think, I mean, honestly, one of the things that I've done in the past is like the wheel of life. Mm-hmm. And so if anybody's familiar with the wheel of life, it's so picture like a circle right? And you have all these different spokes on the circle. Mm -hmm. And one of the spokes kind of like branches out to like a triangle. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the triangle here. And then you've got like another triangle, another Mm -hmm. triangle, and it goes all the way around to a wheel. Like a pie chart? Yeah, it's like a pie chart. And it's like all these different, it's like a, like a pizza pie, right? And you can see them all, they're all cut up. And so you have, (laughs) you have, yeah. Say pizza? (laughs) If you can't tell, we're getting hungry at this point. Um, no, so yeah, we didn't. Sorry, we didn't bring any pizza in for you, Rob. Rob would, um, Rob would throw down on yeah. about three or four yeah. pies right now. I can see it. I can literally see it in his eyes. Uh, anyway, so the the uh, the wheel of life. You know, it's about. It's really about the different areas of your life, whether it's your your health and fitness, mm-hmm. your nutrition, yeah, your friendships, yeah. your friend relationships, your career, your finances. Um, I'm trying to think of the others. Your spirituality yeah. is one. Um, you know, your fun, kind of your yeah. your, your recreation, um, and all of that. I think there there might be one more category that I'm missing, but I remember doing this process and like, all right, so you rank yourself one to ten in each category. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I did this first, it was probably a year and a half ago, two years ago, something like that. And I went through this process and I ranked myself high on you know my career Mm -hmm. and my finances and you know some of those things and also like for the most part like my health and fitness but then like my nutrition needed work like I was like you know probably like a five or six out Mm -hmm. of ten and then like my my personal friendships needed work like Mm -hmm. because I was like spending so much time in my career that I was sacrificing that and so like the way that it kind of shook out was that like there were some areas that were really high, like I would be like an eight or a nine or a seven. And then there was others that were really low. And like at the time, like my spirituality was fairly low. And so then it, so the concept is, all right, if the wheel 
is off balance. Like how, how smooth is that car ride going to be? Yeah. Right. And so once you recognize the fact that like, wow, your spirituality, is like super low and yeah, it's great. Your, your finances are in good shape, but like how long is that going to last and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And so like, I don't know that, I don't know if that answers the question at all, but like it helps, it helps me kind of look at like, all right, well, you're never going to be in full balance because like right now we're doing this podcast and like, yeah, there's probably 10 or 15 other things that are demanding our attention. Like, you know what? We could be spending time with our family, Mm -hmm. right? We could be praying or whatever it is. And, you know, or we could be, you know, getting exercise, working out or whatever it may be. So you're never going to be in full balance, but Mm -hmm. recognizing that at any one time you can be pushing one thing forward. You can be present with, this relationship where you can be whatever it may be. So like I, that was a good illustration for me on relationships with different areas of my life. And, um, you know, I think the core is having a good relationship with myself. Amen. I was going to say, that's key. That's it. Cause I think we can all have a time where we say, you know, or I asked, and I think we can all picture a time is, was there a time where you're more close with yourself or had a better relationship with yourself and maybe a time when, you didn't feel like you had a close relationship. Yeah. I think we all can come up with a time, but I really like how you brought up. There's also a relationship with money and yeah. that can be healthy and unhealthy. That, yeah. that, that, I like that pie chart. That's, that's real good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I can put a link in the show notes of that. Cause that's uh there's right a there. lot of, uh, yeah, right there, <laughs> whatever. I can put that, uh, that in there because it was super helpful for me. And uh, if anybody wants to reach out and talk more about that, we can definitely do that. But, um, it's important uh, to think about all of these things. And this is really how you create the life that you want now, Mm -hmm. as well as what you want in the future and how you create, you know, something for other people. And so, you know, with that said, I want to do I want to do our lightning fire round. It's a rapid fire. Fire It it is the rare air questionnaire because (laughs) most people gave up. Most people, you know, their mind told them that they were something and they Mm -hmm. believed it and they said, forget it. I'm never going to be anything more than, you know, just what my mind tells me I am. They weren't able to separate from that, but we didn't. We yeah. continue to push through. We also continue to inspire others that the reality is they don't have to do that either. They can actually join us at the top of this peak and we can go to the next one. So that's the whole point behind this. But if you were to say, you know, we've talked about a lot of John Gottman's work, mm-hmm. a lot of Daniel Seigel's work, Seigel? Siegel. Siegel? Mm-hmm. Siegel's work um, and others. Is there, would you point to one or two books that you've read that have been super impactful for you? Gosh, there's been so many. So the most important thing is, are the authors. Um, and I coming back is that it's, you know, I love the science, whether it's neuroscience or how, you know, Gottman, the Gottman's point out with, with their love, uh, love lab. So anything that is backed by science, I, I really appreciate uh, Mindsight, which we already talked about, the Siegel book, is a great introductory way. Uh, he also has another um, book that's for mindfulness, the Mindful Therapist, but it could be used not just for therapy. Uh, Gottman's are, are, are super helpful. Um, I'm actually rereading this book now just because we asked. It's the uh, eight-week mindfulness handbook to cope with stress, and I forgot the title of somewhere in here. It's in there. Yeah. Um, but you can just search eight-week mindfulness thing. You'll find it. I mean, a book that you turned me on to several years ago was like my introduction to mindfulness was Mindfulness for Beginners by John, John yeah, Kabat-Zinn. So one, if anybody wants to, you know, get a more of a deep understanding mm-hmm. of mindfulness from a very baseline perspective, mm-hmm. I would recommend that. And that was a book that Rob recommended to me, and he's recommended many others. But 
Um, definitely appreciate you sharing that. Um, so we've talked about obviously so many things today, and I'd love to know if there was one thing that you could point to in terms of how you elevate your life on a daily basis, what mm -hmm. would that be? Elevate my life on a daily basis. Uh, show through meditation, mindfulness, showing gratitude and compassion to myself, to things I do and things around me that are living, maybe not living. Love that. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's not an easy one there too, mm -hmm. right? It's mm -hmm. like even non-living, like yeah. how do you do that? So, you know, it's a form of mindfulness. Like when I'll step out of here, you know, as it, I don't know, it's 530, the sun, yeah. it'll be, sun might be going down or maybe cloudy, but just looking up and appreciating to very little details, what nature has provided. So if it's, you know, cloudy day, the beauty that that clouds bring, or if the sun's peeking through the beauty that that does yeah. and just very, very acknowledge it. You know, if I wasn't mindful or maybe before I started doing this, I would just walk outside, be oblivious, get into my car, yeah. drive home. And I wouldn't have any of that gratitude for the non-living things. And we actually learn through this stuff. That's like little vitamins for the brain. And yeah. The brain wants that type of gratitude for the things around us. Love um, it. Yeah. So beyond what you do as a professional, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Gosh, is it so outside of being a therapist? Yeah. So wow, that's that's a tough. That's, a, that's a, tough a tough one. one. That is a tough. I mean, come on, dude. It's not going to be easy. No, because it's, it's easy to answer that question and say, yeah, well, I you know, yeah. do therapy with. I them. charge them <laughs> ungodly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, this guy's ridiculous. So one thing, you, well, I guess you kind of already mentioned. I like being the cheerleader because I can see yeah. good in yeah. uh, you that's and our it. friends. Where you know, there's a lot, a lot to see, and help build that up and kind of be the, the cheerleader. So I, I kind of. Yeah, I can get get the skirt on and the pom poms and yeah, elevate people that way. I always liked, I love that question in particular because we can all like implement that into our own life. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you're naturally great at that. You're naturally at recognizing the skills and the talents and like unique abilities in other people. But like, we can all develop that, mm -hmm. you know. And I think it's, uh, I think it's really cool. It's really admirable what you do mm -hmm. with that. And so hopefully, I'm, I'm practicing you, that yeah, right now. Say. Yeah. Um, so any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for Elevate Nation? Yeah, and this is just biased because what I do, but there's a lot of negative uh, for some, especially men, thoughts on, on therapy. But therapists and therapy is not means there's something wrong with us. Um, it can be like if I have an illness, I go to the doctor, it can. But <clears throat> we, we can use it as we use the gym. Mm -hmm. So we kind of have the mental and emotional muscle we're, we're working on. And it's a way to, to live your best life and be your best self. And if you're ignoring it, well, then that might be a negative behavior in that's going to lower your ceiling. So be open to it. Like you said, what you say, you try it and you find evidence that it works for you, then you keep it up. Or if you don't. Identify and apply yeah. immediately. Apply mm -hmm. immediately. See what happens for you. You have to give it some time. You can't just be like, exactly. I went to a therapist one time. It didn't work. Yeah, so well, I'm out. Let me yeah. say that. So also. If you do go therapist yeah. shop, because like any profession, there's good ones and there are bad ones. And the bad ones piss me off because they ruin it for you know, yeah. some other people. So know that you can ther therapist shop. And the most important thing is the therapeutic alliance. What that means is how well you get along with your therapist. And that's one of the most important things. Yeah, that's really important. And of course, like, you know, not any profession is going to be like 100% like success rate, but you've got to right. take time to investigate and then also like something that i think is so important is like do you align energetically with this person right do you, does your gut say you know this is the right fit 
you know, if it doesn't, maybe there's some infinite intelligence that's telling you something that you're not consciously yeah. aware of. So um, I really, really appreciate that. And uh, just say one more yeah, thing. Early detection is key individually, but most importantly for relationally. So with systems, so families and couples, couples come to couples therapy when it's too late. Um, a lot of the times. So early detection, if you can you swallow the pride or you think it's going to be uncomfortable because we're going to fight, you know, get all that rid of it. Early detection is key with relational stuff and individuals. So the earlier you get in, the, the, the more likely you are to not have to, you know, need therapy anymore because yeah. you, know, you have the resiliency and you have these things um, that, that keep away problems that might happen in the future with your, you know, your relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So early detection is key. Well, that, that's another like great comment on like, you know, if you identify any challenge in your life, whether it's in a relationship or otherwise, you should face it. Yeah. Go ahead and face it now because it's just going to get bigger and bigger later. It's going to be much time. more un, you know, resolvable you later. Avoid it. You avoid it. You avoid it. And now you swept it under the rug. Yeah. You come to my office. He's like, gosh, it's so messy. Yeah. So, you know, sit down and do your kind of wheel of life mm -hmm. and identify like, where are you struggling? Do you need help with your relationships? Yeah. And then ask for help. It's okay to get yeah. I, I come to you. You know, we have that, yeah. uh, uh, that dinner the other day, I came, or it was a while ago, came to you and asked you your advice. Or was it lunch? We went to lunch yep. one day. Yep. Remember that? Yeah, it was, it was lunch, you yeah. idiot. It wasn't dinner. I mean, yeah, geez. ask for help. Don't ever make a mistake. It's okay ever. to ask for help. But. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's definitely, it's definitely okay to ask for help. And you should be investing your own time, your own resources into furthering yourself and furthering your relationships. Um, so I highly encourage you to get engaged with Rob and get engaged with what he does. And so Rob, with that said, is there, is there, what's the best way for Elevate Nation to kind of become engaged with you and learn more about what you do? So they can go to my website, robgiltner.com. They can go to the LouisvilleMindfulnessCenter.com and reach out or schedule appointments through there as well. Um, that, that's the best way. And I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate y'all listening. And if there's nothing else we talk about, make sure if you're listening that you do something you want to do today. Do something you want to do today. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, you know, it's 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 a reminder that we all need, and mm -hmm. I needed it maybe. Yeah. Uh, so I really appreciate that, and I definitely want to encourage you to reach out to Rob and stay engaged with him. And that's R O B G I L T N E R dot com. So you can reach out there. You can also find him on Instagram, Rob at Rob Giltner, Louisville Mindfulness Center, uh, and uh, we can put all these links in the show notes. So. I uh, just want to encourage you to re-listen. I know this was a little bit of a unique format today. We did a long form and we kind of, we went deep and we were uh, going off, you know, on a, a little bit of tangents mm -hmm. here, but I think there's a ton of deep wisdom here. So I would highly encourage you to re-listen to the show, take notes and engage with us. I mean, if you have additional questions or things that you want to talk about, please reach out to Rob or myself and we'd be happy to connect you where appropriate. And then also, I would encourage you to share this with someone else. You know, maybe you make a list of what are your top three distinctions, and these are things that you can identify and you can apply in your own life currently, and you want to take massive action on that. You know, if you need to engage with a therapist, if you need to have a conversation with your significant other. You need, if you need you, a coach. If you need a coach, you need to go out there and invest in that. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever it may be, if you, you just have to take massive action because that's the only way to anchor it into your own understanding, but then also teaching it to someone else. Of course, how do you do that? I say this, I've been saying this time and time again, you've got to brainstorm after you've listened to this, 
what ideas did you infer, right? Mm -hmm. What, what things did you learn just by your own wisdom that you bring that we don't have, you know, what third mind was created there? What things can you prioritize in your schedule? Who can you find leverage on? What kind of accountability partner can you find? Um, you know, execute course correct. You know, you will make mistakes. You will learn more about yourself. You will gain the feedback of mistakes and, and, and some failure, but that's not the end. It's, it's only the beginning. So, uh, you know, screenshot the show, tag Rob, tag Elevate Pod, you know, tag your friend. Who needs to learn about this? But um, Rob, man, this is a ton of fun. Appreciate you. Absolutely, my yes, friend. Sir. Elevate Nation, we will, uh, we will see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in. One love. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a real estate investment firm formed by myself and my partner, Brian Flaherty, where we invest in multifamily real estate communities across the Southeast United States. If you'd like to learn more about our approach, our mission, our acquisition criteria, and how you can learn more about future opportunities, visit cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit tylerchesser.com.